I'm Andrew Smith. This is Today in Church History, a place where we're reminded that history is truly his story. History is the story of God and the demonstration of his glory in the theater of world events. I hope you enjoy listening to these episodes of Today in Church History. Their purpose is to ignite a passion for God's truth, one historical event at a time. Today is Thursday, April 4th, 2019. But on this day in history, April 4th, 397, Ambrose of Milan died. Considered one of the four doctors of the Western Church, along with Jerome, Augustine, and Gregory the Great, Ambrose was a politician-turned-bishop that helped shape the Protestant Reformation that would not occur until almost 1,200 years later. More on that in a moment. Born in about the year 340 in a Christian home, Ambrose was birthed in a military and political family of some notoriety. His father was in charge of several cohorts of Rome's special forces known as the Praetorian Guard, an elite group responsible for guarding the emperor's life. His father died when he was young, leaving him to be raised by his widowed mother and an older sister who was a nun. They moved to Rome so that even at a young age, Ambrose was around clergy constantly. Even still, rhetoric became his wheelhouse. Considered by historians as one of the most eloquent men in history, Ambrose quickly rose in the political ranks as governor of provinces in northern Italy in his early 30s. But providence had another path for Ambrose. The Bishop of Milan died, and Ambrose attended the meeting as an important politician to elect the next bishop. At this time, the heresy of Arianism was in full bloom. The church was divided over the divinity of Christ, even though the Nicene Creed clearly affirmed Christ's divinity. Roughly half of the officials attending the meeting that day were Arians. The other half were Orthodox. But unanimously, they collectively voted Ambrose as the next bishop of Milan. This took Ambrose by surprise. He hesitated, even hiding out. But the people's voice won over the emperor himself, who was receiving letters calling for Ambrose as bishop. The emperor placed Ambrose under temporary arrest until he agreed to serve as bishop. So Ambrose left the political world for the ecclesiastical. He moved from the courts of law to the courts of God. Ambrose's popularity both within the religious as well as the secular realm could hardly be overstated. He was living in a very interesting period of church history. In the previous century, just 40 years before he was born, Diocletian ruled from about 284 to 305. His time period was called the Era of the Martyrs due to his mass persecution of Christians. However, when Constantine became the emperor of Rome, Christians were no longer persecuted or marginalized. Christianity became the main religion of the empire, and the state began allowing Christian leaders to wield considerable influence. Under Constantine, reparations were made for persecuted Christians. Clergy received tax cuts. Emperor worship ceased. Instead of churches being destroyed, pagan temples were torn down. A Christian calendar was instituted for society, even marking Sunday as a holy day. This was the very climate that Ambrose was birthed into. Now, as we well know, some of the things flowing from Constantine's rule set the stage for the corruption of the church during the Middle Ages especially. However, during Ambrose's day, it was refreshing for Christians to no longer be hated, but to be embraced. Amazingly, shockingly really, this sudden turn of events ensured that for the next 14 centuries, the Christian faith would be the dominant religion in the Western world. Ambrose, who wasn't even baptized until he agreed to serve as bishop, soon became one who boldly called out the emperor for injustices. On one occasion, toward the end of his life, a famous chariot racer was arrested in Thessalonica. The people of the city demanded his release and began rioting, resulting in the governor himself, along with a few others, perishing. The emperor, Theodosius, sought revenge by announcing a new chariot race. 
Once the crowds arrived, however, the gates were locked and the soldiers of the emperor slaughtered 7,000 people in three hours. Ambrose refused to be silent. Using his religious and political sway, he called the emperor to repentance and even excommunicated him from the church. As a result, the emperor repented. In part, Ambrose's letter to the emperor said this, and I quote, I exhort, I beg, I entreat, I admonish you, because it is grief to me that the perishing of so many innocent is no grief to you. And now I call on you to repent. The emperor ended up loving Ambrose and reportedly died in his arms. Ambrose himself eulogized Theodosius, saying, I confess I loved him and felt the sorrow of his death in the abyss of my heart. The legacy of Ambrose can be summed up in three primary contributions that he made to the church. First, he was known for his preaching. Using the allegorical method of the day, Ambrose quickly rose as popular among the ranks of preachers. Throngs came to listen to him preach, and the great body of primary sources we have today of Ambrose are actually his sermons. Ambrose's sermons were considered masterpieces of Latin eloquence. Though allegorical preaching was rightly condemned by the Reformers, there was still a recognition that Ambrose faithfully taught the gospel, and this is seen in the second contribution Ambrose made to the church, perhaps his greatest. Ambrose was instrumental in Augustine's conversion. R.C. Sproul has written, and I quote, We owe a great debt to Ambrose, who by discipling Augustine got the ball rolling for the Reformation, in a manner of speaking, end quote. Augustine himself moved to Milan in 384 and went to hear Ambrose preach, this is what Augustine himself said regarding Ambrose's role in his own conversion. Unknown to me, it was you, God, who led me to Ambrose, so that I might be led to you by Ambrose. Augustine was even baptized by Ambrose. But after his preaching and his role in Augustine's conversion comes a third contribution touched upon at the beginning. Ambrose wrote many works, most notably against the Arians. The very ones who voted him in office, he attacked with great force and argumentation because Ambrose rightly viewed Arians as heretics who misunderstood the person of Christ. Ambrose fought for the Son of God's equality with God the Father. One prominent Arian woman named Justina demanded that Ambrose give up a church for her followers. Ambrose simply refused. Now, since she was an empress, she sent soldiers to take Ambrose's own church. With imperial soldiers surrounding the church, those inside prayed, sang psalms, and Ambrose preached. Justina drew the soldiers back, and Ambrose won another spiritual battle over the Arians. He authored many hymns and is considered to be the primary agent in the Western church for adopting hymn singing in their worship. The lesson to take from the life of Ambrose of Milan is that God orders our every step. Since he sovereignly reigns over this sin-cursed world, we learn that time and time again God raises up those needed in the church's dark moments. We remember history because in remembering history, we remember what God has done and what God can do. Whether it be to influence a political ruler to rule justly or combat false theology, God is constantly raising up leaders to fight his battles. History is truly his story. It's the story of God and the demonstration of his glory in the theater of world events. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Today in Church History. You can access more episodes by going to my website, www.hearttoflame.org. If you'd like, you can also subscribe to these episodes on Apple iTunes simply by searching for Today in Church History. You can always follow me on Twitter or reach out to me on Facebook. I love to hear from my listeners regarding both questions and comments. Maybe you have a good suggestion for a future episode. I'd be glad to hear it. Until next time, I'm your host, Andrew Smith.